about Trying to figure out what it's all about Existentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know I don't know I don't know Spend time all alone Sending my songs through the phone Dreaming of a better home Wing while focused on trying to hone This craft Witchcraft I hope the brujas Let this last I don't know That was a great sounds of Watts with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, with my partner in crime, Long Island Raised, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. Easy Blues, you are better with introductions more than me. Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? Ladies and gentlemen, we speak of journeys every single time we have this show. I'm sure by now someone has tuned into the radio and goes, what journey is easy talking about now? This is a very different type of journey, though. This is an internal journey. This is a journey through neurons, synapses, and to make sure things are popping the way that they should. This is a journey that teaches us not only how we became where we are, but exactly who we are, and to understand that. It helps us unpack. It helps us grow. Some people say it's a healing journey, but they also forget that when you are healing, pain will happen. And we have amazing human beings like our next guest here to help us navigate through those painful encounters that has helped craft us to be the us we are today. So for that and for that alone, I want you to put your hands together. Mentally, we put our hands together because you could be driving right now listening to the radio and you need your hands at 10 and 2 because we are responsible here even in the tunnels that we are in sometimes we are massively yes. responsible i want you to put your hands together for this is the first time i'm actually saying this to a doctor we have a doctor on the sh on the show today put your hands together for allison dr allison regis welcome benvenu and let's get get to some weirdness Thanks for that lovely introduction. <laughs> I feel like I'm myself now too. <laughs> I, I, I like spectacles. <laughs> and I feel that everybody should have a spectacle for them. Uh, that's one of the things that we, we do here is we try to, you know, celebrate. You know, you're getting an opportunity to tell your story. Um, and that's a beautiful responsibility. And we don't take it lightly. Um, so, you know, we wanted to show you that you are special and you're here with us today to talk about who you are, what you do, and how you got here. Um, now, you are a doctor. Yes. Um, now, some people from the intro might understand the type of doctor you are, but for those that aren't playing the home game, um, you know, are you a, you know, cut them open doctor? Uh, 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 or are you like a sit down and, and have conversations doctor? Oh, yeah. Do not trust me with a scalpel or any tools. I'm not that type of doctor, which I remind many members of my family, too. Um, so I am the, the sit on the couch, the uh, maybe the stereotypical, how does that make you feel uh, type of doctor. So I have a PhD in um, counseling psychology, and I'm a licensed psychologist in New York, which is where I'm from originally, mm -hmm. and in Connecticut. Now, it's it's awesome because, you know, people, again, like your family members and things like that, you have this title by your name, and a lot of people are going to focus upon what they think that title is going to be, um, which really sits big for your industry as well, because there are a whole bunch of people who think what you do as, a, a, you know, a, a doctor in psychology is you know, what people saw and what about Bob or, you yeah. know, having these cultural reference points or even more in the scarier side of that industry, you know, mental health in, you know, the, the twenties to fifties and even early sixties was like lock you up and, you know, electrocute your brain. Um, you know, um, how do you navigate through, you know, when, when someone like, or someone like me who doesn't like talking about feelings or anything like that is, 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 you know, is, is meeting uh, with a doctor like this, um, you know, I automatically put those defense walls up because there is this incredible stigma that, that, that is there. How do you navigate through that stigma? 
yeah, I think that stigma is definitely there. It's definitely, mm -hmm. definitely real. I mean, I, I think that there's a little bit less of it now, especially these days where, you know, you go on, on TikTok, you've got people talking about their personal experiences. And so it's like normalizing it to a certain extent, even though I feel like there's a lot of terms that are being thrown around that may not necessarily, everyone's a narcissist. Um, that's a, that's a whole other conversation, but mm. I think, um, yeah, I think with some of the stigma, it's, it's been interesting trying to really just um, think about it as a conversation, um, because I think even just as you were talking about historically, there's been so much um, like negative, kind of negative ideas about what mental health um, looks like or what therapy looks like or even and some of these examples are probably not even as far back as the 20s and the 50s so um, even for um, from so for part of my training I had to do um, clinical work in different settings and one of the settings that I worked in was an inpatient psychiatric hospital and this was probably back in uh, let's see what year probably around 2013 so about just about 10 years ago and it was, it wasn't maybe necessarily like one flew over the cuckoo's nest type of situation, but there, there was a lot of some of the, the stereotypes that you may think were actually a bit true in some of those settings. So I think part of the conversations I do have is like acknowledging that maybe some of the experiences that people have had around mental health or talking about mental health have been negative. Like sometimes people have gotten mental health or therapy used as a punishment. Like, oh, if you keep acting up, you're gonna go, you're gonna have to talk to the school counselor or you're not going to get certain privileges or rights as just a person. So um, I think trying to just acknowledge that that is, has been true for many people so that it's, their negative perceptions aren't coming out of nowhere, but also um, giving them the opportunity to understand that, you know, talking to me or just talking to anyone can look how we want it to look. So it's not something that's happening to them, but that's something that's happening with them. Awesome. Thank you. That, that, that's, that's incredible because, you know, people can go through and, and you always have, especially uh, everyone still deals with like, you know, fam the family base aspect. Right. And everyone in the family has like that one bad therapist, you know, or, you know, psychologist story, you know, uh, my mom had it when like after she gave birth to me, um, you know, she couldn't get a, a a baby to calm down, you know, and she started to feel massively insignificant and like no one was paying attention to her and no one was respecting her. So she went to a therapist and her therapist fell asleep during her session, mm. uh, yeah. you know, about, but you know, here you have someone who feels completely insignificant and the person who's literally being paid to listen to you and invest in you is, is, is treating you like you're insignificant but yeah. that also could be someone who like works super hard and, and you know there are all those other aspects of it it really had nothing to do with my mother or that particular moment but that is the stigma that goes forward that is that extra generational trauma that is told that is devalues these different type of thing and there seems to be as much as more light for brought upon you know the the need for a, a strong mental health journey um, there also seems to be that, that negative side coming up as well, where you're starting to see a lot more toxicity coming out in modern culture, stating that you shouldn't do that and you need to go back to this and, and trying to um, recategorize things that are actually sociologically proven to be out there, very similar uh, to like, you know, why we're having, a, you know, a boom um, as per the people that are, are now identifying um, in the trans aspect of it, you know, you can break that down to the actual um, science of it all, where when a species is uh, dealt with uh, overpopulation, this is something that nature takes over and actually helps to reprogram. But, but now you, but you have people in our saying, no, we need to bring this back to a mental health issue, where it's really just an evolution issue. Um, how do you deal with that, those negative aspects? Yeah, I mean, I think like even the example that you gave um, with your mom, it's mm -hmm. there, there is, I think, just like with any business, because it, it's hard to say, but I think sometimes, you know, therapy is also a business too. Like mm -hmm. if you talk about pharmaceuticals and just other industries, there's, it, it's the same thing, like word of mouth uh, is something that's very important. Um, advertising is very important. And so when you do have people who've had negative experiences um, or you hear enough 
people, other people having negative experiences, it makes you not really want to engage or like, I'm going to just give it a try. Um, especially when it comes to something like your mental health and the wounds that you have, it's, you know, you don't want to just open that up to anyone. So it, it's definitely understandable that people will just not, just not, um, until, life may get you to the point where it's like, I don't really see any other choice. I guess, you know, I've tried everything else. Let me give that a try. Um, and I think that sometimes too, even just when it comes to accessibility of services, that's that's also another issue because you have so many people, it, it can be easy to say, oh, we'll just, you know, find another therapist um, because those have been conversations that I've had too. Like if your therapist is constantly falling asleep on you, then you know probably may need another therapist or at the very least to have a conversation about that mm -hmm. um but it's not that easy to just like first of all find another therapist um especially if you talk about insurance and other issues yeah. but also it's like who, who may want to actually just open up again it's like a it's mm -hmm. like a bad relationship you know it's like i you know i poured my heart out i gave everything i you know i showed the parts of myself that maybe i have been hesitant about and then i feel invalidated by somebody who's supposed to be in a position of power like your therapist who's falling mm -hmm. asleep making unsupportive comments or you know maybe taking advantage of me in some type of way and so i'm not going to open up myself again or it's going to be very difficult for me to do that so yeah the a lot of the stigma isn't just um the stereotypes, but it's even just, you know, what's happened to you or what's happened to other people mm -hmm. in, in this industry too. Pretty much you can't fake a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. You really can't fake a vibe. I think that's one thing I've learned is just like, because that's the thing is that it's like a therapeutic relationship. So mm -hmm. you're trying to, you know, meet with someone, trying to like, you know, see who they are. And also even just for some of the clients that I've had, they kind of get my vibe and see, you know, whether I'm somebody that they want to work with too. So I don't mm -hmm. really take it personally if someone's like, oh, I don't want to work with you. Like I've had people who said they don't want to necessarily work with me. And sometimes we work through those things and sometimes we haven't. Um, but I feel like people have to go for a vibe they feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. I understand. You really can't feel that attached to a patient either. Am I right? Yeah, it's, it's tough though, because it's like you... You kind of get invested, you know, like you get mm -hmm. invested in ways, but it, it's like a different type of investment, I feel like. So mm -hmm. it's not the same way that you get invested maybe in a family member or a friend where it's because sometimes with that investment may come um, judgment or it may mm -hmm. come like this is what I need you to do. Um, which is sometimes what brings people to therapy in the first place is like, I can't maybe talk to my friends or family because they have a certain investment in what they want me to mm -hmm. do with my life or, you know, I, or, oh, that that didn't happen really like that in your childhood. Like, what are you talking about? Sometimes the invalidation. So it's like, I think as a therapist is trying to really find that balance of wanting to, like wanting whatever is best for my clients and whatever is best is not what I define it as whatever is best, but how they define it. And because, um, yeah, there's there have been decisions for some of my clients where I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> this does not seem like this is going to go well. But at the same time, you know, it's... People have to go through those experiences and then we yeah. talk about it, you know, what happened and just, you know, be, be kind of being there for that person, even in some ways, like maybe a parent um, mm -hmm. can be. No, no, it, oh, no, no I, it, well, to me, it actually kind of, I'll oversimplify the relationship type, type of thing, but it seems like, you know, you, when you're really invested in it, in a show. You know, and, and you're, you you really learn about these characters and you start to care about these characters, um, you know, and you just want what's best for these characters as they continue on their journey. But you know that that journey is already written. You just need to see how it plays out and, and be there for them when, you know, it starts to get tough kind of aspect. Um, is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. It's definitely having having enough investment to know what's happening in season three. But right. also to know that, you know, you're going to, you know, help support someone and then and even not even just helping to support them, but I think helping to helping them to build the resources mm -hmm. for them to be able to navigate situations themselves, even without you, because I think part of at least for me, the hope is that there will be a certain point where we won't be meeting and that's OK, because then they'll get to the point where they've internalized like a lot of things that um, have like, you know, they've taken away the things that maybe have not been serving them that may have been actively harmful to them that they've grown up with. And then, you know, rewriting their story in their way, um, maybe without me at a certain point. Do you feel medication is a last resort 
and talking is is better when it comes to mental health? Hmm. I'd say I think it depends because mm-hmm. I think uh, sometimes I've seen for some individuals who may be going through, let's say, um, very bad anxiety or very mm-hmm. bad depression. Sometimes you may need certain medications, I think, to maybe get you to a place where you're able to maybe get out of the bed or not have you know, as much physiological response so that you can actually talk to someone. Because sometimes when you're like deep down in that hole, it, it can be hard to even have the whether it's like the physical energy the mental energy to even engage with someone so I think for some people it may be necessary at least at first to kind of kind of get up enough to be able to um to engage with talking to someone but um and you know for and for other people it may be something that they never experienced that they may never take medication depending on what they're going to therapy for as well so I would say it it really depends Mm. Good to know on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime along Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, E at Z, Blues, and those behind the brand on 103.5 FM New Haven. We got Dr. Allison Regis with us. Easy. Your thoughts? No, I, it's it's super interesting to, to me in particular, just because like I like to try to learn and, and become somewhat obsessed with, with uh as many things as humanly possible. And, and I love, you know, the, 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 the art of the brain is something that I, I'm truly, truly fascinated with. Um, I, you know, and being someone that is a writer and, and, and in those, those things, I want to find out about, you know, how different relationships are formed and, and different things like that. Um, but when it came down, like I was one of those people that could help have conversations with other people and help them direct, to the to the uh the aspect but also would lose almost myself um in in that you know never took care of my own mental health journey um because of a lot of sociological programming and different things like that you know stating that we're not supposed to because we're dudes or you know um we have all those those different stigma that goes on um so i guess you kind of got into it knowing it's almost going to be like a thankless position what made you want to do like what made you want to do this yeah i i would say it's definitely not something that you get like <laughs> hey thanks for helping me with my mental health i mean it's it's a lot of it's very intrinsic like i you know i see mm-hmm. the changes that clients have made and i'm just very proud of them um and knowing the amount of work that they put into getting to that space um i think for me um what got me into it it, it that was something i actually thought about the other day um because um, someone was just kind of having me reflect on that a bit. And it, it's it's been something I've always been interested in. I think even as a child, like I was always kind of that friend, you know, that people would go to. And I was always someone who was very quiet and just like, I would very much listen and try to understand like, why are people the way that they are? Um, I remember even finding a note a couple of years ago when I was going through like old notebooks from, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade. And one of them said, oh, when I grow up, and it was like a sentence stem when I grow up, and I said, I want to help people with their emotional problems. And I remember looking at that, and I was like, what what fifth grader just knew about (laughs) emotional problems? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what did I know about that? But it was something that I was very interested in. And um, I was also very fortunate, um, because so I grew up in Queens, uh, New York, and I I just moved to New Haven six months ago. So I'm Mm -hmm. very much a New Yorker born and raised. And in my high school, I went to Brooklyn Tech High School, one of the specialized high schools. And in our high school, we had to pick a major um, in our junior and senior year and start taking classes towards it. And so I was able to take classes. Um, I was part of the social science research major, and mm. I was able to start taking classes in psychology, sociology, um, research, American culture, and just really start to learn more about that. And then that really sparked a lot of my interest. So then you know, going to school afterwards, I was like, yeah, this psychology thing, I really want to study sociology, I really want to study. And then I also studied um, business administration, too. So it, 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 yeah, it started a long time ago, in an odd way. <laughs> no, that, that one, that that's awesome. I mean, I, if we all had the focus and, and you know, the, the able to see the direction at, in high school in which we, we, we were supposed to walk out, that'd be, that would be amazing, right? That's, that's like the super end goal. Um, 
but it's it's also super interesting for me as well because in your in your industry it's all about you know helping someone unpack and you know help to rebuild themselves um but you then have to take on these things you know you 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 then have to overfill your cup um how do you navigate you know not only processing everything that's going on in your life and and those you know familial relationships or you know but also now how you process from because you're you're dealing with a lot of trauma whether it be you know it, it's not yours but you're still face to face with it um is it like i i take a, a one weekend a month and and you know put a she shed together or something like how how do you deal with this because that's a lot like high five that's a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah a lot of it is um well I would say part of my training was also um part of the conversations we had was just how to separate what's ours from what someone else's um mm-hmm. and, that, and that's even like for ourselves but even sometimes helping our clients to work through some of those things too because sometimes right. like the clients that I've had have been like the caretakers and the one that they're you know they're for everyone else um, and so I think what's been helpful for me has been my own therapy, um, because it's like when I'm seeing things, experiencing things, like I need an outlet to be able to talk about those things too. Um, so I would say it's not that as a therapist or a psychologist that like I'm perfect and I've got like the optimal level of everything, but I'm, I'm also a person who has worked through my, my things or I'm constantly, you know, working through making sure that I'm good, um, to be good for other people, but yeah, a lot of it, I think for me has been um, trying to figure out how to take a step, maybe not exactly a step back, but a step differently. So um, I would say for me, um, at a certain point, it just got to be a lot with, you know, just seeing clients all the time. Even um, I was seeing maybe I had maybe about 40 clients or so on my caseload. So some some days I would have I'd be seeing like seven clients. Um, which, you know, you usually have 45 to 50 minute session. So right. and then you need time to write notes, need time for lunch and just to kind of get a mental break. And I realized a couple of years ago that that may not be what exactly I want to do um, just for myself, but I still want to be able to help support people um, in their well-being. And so for me, that actually ended up with a slight career shift. So mm-hmm. um, what, what actually got me to New Haven was um, taking a position at Southern as the um, running their well-being center, so doing a lot more um, outreach, a lot more um, prevention work. So instead of working in the counseling center, we, mm. I work alongside the counseling services to do a lot of the work that on campus w- with students to help support them, help get them to resources. And I'm still using my degree and my experience, but not necessarily burning myself out with seeing so mm. many clients all the time. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and, and and that's and that's really the, the key, and and also such a beautiful way to transition in, into what you're doing now. So high five on that, uh, very well played, very well played. Um, you know, but that's seems to be the key point of this is is no like the mental health journey doesn't. It's not like some will say people who believe in in the religious aspects, you know, will go and do whatever they want to do as long as you know, and then they'll they'll say I'm sorry on Sunday, and then go do again whatever they want to do, but then come back or say sorry I'm sat on Saturday or on Sunday and everything's fine, you know, you don't just show up to your therapist once a week, take that 45 minutes, you know, vent your soul, and then go back to living the exact same way you were living before you need to take some of these tools and apply it, yeah. you know, so that you can, you can continue to move forward. Um, I'm trying, <laughs> I don't want you to like give specific stories cause that's wrong. And that's a HIPAA violation, but like, have you ever had like that client that was literally treating it? Like it was, you know, I'm at the bar until 2am on Saturday, but as long as I'm in the pews on Sunday, we're good. Um, did you have those type of lazy clients? <laughs> yeah, I would say, first of all, definitely, I think what you're speaking to is that therapy is work. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of times I think people can think therapy is just like, you know, I'm going to sit on the couch and just talk and then just, you know, kind of go about my business. And I mean, you know, depending on what you're looking for, maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need a space to do that. But I think generally the clients that I've seen, there's usually been certain goals that they've had that they really want to work towards. And just like with anything else, you really can't just do like 45 minutes 
you know, over a week or two weeks, you know, from seeing someone bi-weekly and just, you know, have everything magically be different. So there is definitely a lot of work that needs to go into it. I think um, sometimes with my clients, it's been trying to define maybe what that work looks like for them. Um, mm-hmm. Because sometimes it can be discouraging, you know, if you're actually trying and you don't see certain changes or maybe a lot of it's situational in maybe their families or the other experiences that they have. So it's not something that you can just easily change because the situation itself hasn't really changed. So sometimes the goal has been, how can I deal with the situation that's happening rather than changing the situation because it may not be something they can change. But I've, I've definitely had clients where it's felt like um, the analogy I give is like, I feel like a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. So what I mean is like, I feel like, let's say if you put a pumpkin in my place, <laughs> um, would the session be the same? You know, and like okay. what I you're saying that because you're wearing orange. Yeah, I had to put it out there. Branding. Branding. Pumpkin, orange. <laughs> and so sometimes it can feel like, you know, sometimes it can feel like I've had clients where it doesn't feel like they're talking with me. It feels like they're talking at me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the pumpkin analogy comes in because it mm-hmm. sometimes can feel like, you know, there's not really room for me to say anything. And it's like, I'm not trying to interrupt all the time, but you also need to leave space for someone else to be able to maybe challenge some of the things that you might be saying or clarify some of what you're saying or really do some of the work. Um, even in the session to then be able to take it outside of session. So I'm definitely somebody um, who believes in homework um, because it's really, you know, you can't just, I think, do 45 to 50 minutes a week and just expect things to be very different. So I've definitely had clients where it's, that's really not the case. And we haven't necessarily, we didn't necessarily see the movement that maybe they were hoping for or expecting. And sometimes I've had kind of like what I was alluding to before, some clients say like, oh, I don't know if I want to work with you anymore. It just feels like Mm -hmm. we're not going anywhere. So sometimes I've had to just like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's take a step back and like talk about maybe our dynamic or, you know, what's happening outside of sessions or, Mm -hmm. or some of the goals. And also, so I'm not saying like, I'm blameless, because maybe I could have, identified certain patterns before as well but also they're part of the dynamic too they're part of what's going on so also right. letting them see that too uh, and, and it, it's interesting because the more in depth you explain the situation th- there are a ton of similarities like to parenting you know it, it is it is a thing in which you it is a career parenting um that you you know you're super super invested you're super you know everything so dependent upon but you need to be so good at your job you know you're working to be irrelevant Mm. you know you're working so that they no longer need you to go forward there um but again from a business point of view that is by far one of the worst business business uh schematics (laughs) you could ever go by your business plan is atrocious you can't fix everybody. <laughs> Break them a little bit. So, you know, just halfway through the session, be like, oh, yeah, and uh, there's a monster that lives under your bed. You know, like some, you know, make sure you get that, that repeat yeah. business because we have a bottom line that you have to hit. How do you navigate, you know, the amazing, good healing par- portion of this incredible career that you have on, but also um, pay the bills? <laughs> Well, I I think part of that is where it comes to like diversifying a lot of what Mm -hmm. um, we do as therapists. So, um, so for me, so my, the business that I have, because just like everybody else these days, you got a main hustle, you got a side hustle, side side hustle. So um, one of my side hustles um, is actually um, my business, uh, Liberated Professionals, and it's a career coaching business. So it's not a therapy um, business, but it's more around career career counseling um, because I believe that career and mental health are very much connected. Um, like if you if you ever think about a job that you've had that you hated and how that negatively affects your mental health, or if you if you think about um, maybe career indecision, feeling stuck, feeling confused, and how that can really affect your mental health, or even vice versa, having mental health concerns that affect maybe your ability to work or even just. Um, kind of back to what I was saying before of like my high school um, in some ways preparing me, that's usually not the norm. Um, mm-hmm. Or oftentimes it's like, you know, take the exams and, you know, figure it out afterwards. And so a lot of times people get very stuck 
And, you know, sometimes I've had clients who are like, you know, I just feel like I could have made more of myself or I don't know what I'm doing or everybody seems to have it figured out by such and such age. Um, so that's like the work um, I've always been interested in career. So that's the work that I've been doing. Um, but also even just diversifying, like I know a lot of um, my colleagues who have their private practices. Um, some of us also teach. So for me, I teach mental health counseling to students who are training to be like the next generation. Um, I also do uh, consultations with corporations. So trying to also help them to um, develop better wellness and DEI practices, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion practices too. So I think it's it's kind of like you were saying, a poor business model of people necessarily getting better. But I think even, even speaking to the idea that there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily well. Um, so it, it is a little bit of like a, I don't know, like a, what are those things? Oh, like those rotating doors? Yes, yeah, the revolving door type, type yeah. of aspect. Yeah, yeah no, so I, there are usually people who need help and support. No, I, I think I think it's awesome. Plus, I mean, we can also talk about like different type of branding aspect because you, here you are sitting in, in the orange talking about a pumpkin, maybe shirts, <laughs> you know, maybe like, you know, Dr. Allison, you know, be a pumpkin. You know what I mean? Like shirts, <laughs> yeah. have, have your own sort of wear. You're, you're, you're working with college kids now. They buy anything. It'll be fine. They're spending yeah. their parents' money. It, 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 you know, get, get your merch game hustle up. Like, let, let's see what goes on. But honestly, I would love to see that because, you know, as someone who is massively resistant to a uh, mental health journey for myself for like so long and now really engaging in that and 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 fighting through it and and not being happy about it but you know i'm there um you know i truly understand the importance of the, the mental health journey and like what y'all do i would love to start seeing like some some of you guys like releasing some merch and like you know kind of jumping into that that forefront because it is that important um you know there, there should be that type of celebration and especially for you know you're signing up for a really thankless job like you know yeah. you're dealing with everyone else's um spit and and it's it's tough uh you know and obviously you're engaging you're in your own mental health journey different things like that um what is the, the perfect aspect of say like a self-care starter kit for 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 the for the listener playing the home game, let's talk about a a, a reasonable self care starter kit. Yes, so I just going back a little bit to what you were saying. There's actually been a lot of um, like I've seen actually more merch even mm -hmm. um, like I have a, a cute healing and color shirt therapy for us by us. So talking more about like therapy and communities mm -hmm. of color, even more of those like conversation cards that have been super popular with like mm -hmm. dating but even just more so around therapy and mental health. So I think that's been actually really good to see um, there be a lot more community conversations around that. Um, but in terms of a self-care starter kit, oh, that's interesting. Um, that actually reminds me of a program that we were trying to do at Southern with students is actually having them make a, um, a, a have a box and like a self-care or like a box that they can just open and it sort of remind them of things that are good for them so uh so maybe a self-care starter kit might involve um thinking about or maybe even writing down some who, who might be people who are your supports um because not everybody in your circle is supportive and not everyone can provide support. So some people may have good intentions, but the delivery leaves a lot to be desired. Um, so I think being able to identify like who is actually helpful for your mental health, um, what activities might be helpful for your mental health. So, um, and I think, I think that different, different feelings and different situations require different activities. So what I mean is that you might have, uh, let's say if you're having a really bad day, maybe you're just like, I'm not really in the mood to talk to someone, but I'm in the mood to listen to music. So like, mm -hmm. what are your favorite songs? Or I may just feel very antsy. So I may need to just go to take a walk. So maybe what's your favorite place to go walk to or mm -hmm. go see? So sometimes you may have different feelings that may bring up, that may require different um, tools, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think even in the starter kit is maybe being able to think about not just one activity, talk to a friend, because what if you're mad at the friend or what if you don't want to talk to the friend about the issue, you need a variety of things. Um, so yeah, those are just some quick things I could think of. 
<laughs> well played. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, seriously, I totally put you on the spot there, and you you you, you threw it together amazingly. Like a high five. <laughs> We're giving out a lot of high fives today on the show. I love it. it, 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 it it's uh, it, it's pretty awesome. But no, it, it's it's super super interesting. And and now that you're you're doing this and and actively engaging. Um, in, in the college aspect and, and dealing with, you know, college kids, which that's a whole nother like stress level. A lot of people that are, are breaking from their norm to go into different things and a lot less rules are in play, but yet a lot more consequences can be put out there. Um, you know, how has it been, you know, helping these kids navigate you know, their not only mental health journey, but you're, you're a lot more, you know, <laughs> on site and, and dealing with even just the, maybe you make some right choices, uh, you know, journey as well. Uh, how, how is it like dealing with, with college kids? Ooh. Yeah, I, I actually really love it. I've been doing it for, in some capacity over mm-hmm. probably about 12 years. Um, so I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that because I, I also had experiences working in hospitals. So working with kids, working with adults, and I actually prefer college students, um, partly because they, um, I think for the most part, a lot of, uh, a lot of them that I've worked with have just been very open to change and to having some of these conversations a little bit more than other people or other groups that I've worked with. Um, I think that they, they sometimes, I don't think always get enough credit, um, for the difficulties that they go through. Um, Mm. because even when I would talk to colleagues about, um, like we would talk about, oh, well, what, where are you working? What are you doing? And I mentioned working in a college. They're like, oh, well, what problems do these students have? You know, their boyfriend broke up with them. And it's like, no, like, so it's, it's been interesting to try to really, even sometimes in my profession, really educate people that college students, sometimes it's despite everything that they're going through, that they're still there, they're still persevering and still being very resilient. So um, I think that it's, it's been, I actually very much enjoy working with them, especially, um, it, it, I think what's been interesting has been um, because I've worked on some campuses where it's primarily residential. So you've got the students who are in the dorms, you know, staying the weekend, very much embedded in the culture of that environment. And then to others where it's very much, you know, you go in, take your classes, you know, you dip out to work, you dip out to mm-hmm. home or whatever, you know, you commute or whatever that experience is. And so sometimes really trying to reach out and connect with students on both of those ends um, have really presented different challenges because, you know, if a student's not physically there, it's been, it's hard to really get them to go to programs or even to get them to make time to really talk. But, um, but also that traditional college age may be the first time some people may be experiencing significant mental health issues or having some type of psychological break if we're going to talk about schizophrenia or other issues. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a very important age that I think doesn't always get highlighted. It is getting highlighted on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, LC May, EZ Blues in the building. Continue, EZ. I know you're about to say something. Well, no, it, it's it's so interesting that that because I hear like college kids and I automatically think of like all the, the, the trauma and stuff that they have to go through and and, you know, what it was like to be, you know, cast out from, you know, a place that you knew your laundry was going to get done every single day to like now having to learn how to do laundry and, you know, all of these different skills that you now have to be able to reproduce while figuring out who you are while navigating through the first time you're dealing with the schedule into yourself. You know, people don't understand, you know, throughout the first 12, we'll say 13 years of of schooling, you know, you're told when to get up. Someone's there to wake you up. You're put on a bus. Someone takes you to where it is. You know exactly what your class is. You stay in that class for a long period of time. And then that changes. So you change to a different classes and stuff like that. But a college experience is even more because no one's going to tell you to get up. No one really cares if you show up to class, you know, it all, all of that weight falls upon you when you've never really had to be super responsible prior because you had that safety net. So it would be more terrifying, like just hearing, you know, the tragedy. And then also other people are horrible. Like, let's, let's be real. I'm, I'm, I'm a pragmatist, I'm a pragmatist, but like us as a species, we're gross, you know, um, we, we just are, it's just the way things go. 
you know, and now you have to deal with other people, and and then they bring, and how dare they bring their trauma into it? I, you know, it's it's to me a recipe for failure and destruction. Um, I would think your job is one of the hardest out there because you are dealing with you know all these kids that they're still kind of new here. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, they definitely are. And I think even adding in the pandemic has been even just more of a challenge too, because Mm -hmm. there's been like a lot less um, social, emotional growth, uh, a lot, even in terms of academics, like students have struggled a lot more. um, Because so before I I came here, I was uh, working in an opportunity program at a college. So helping um, students navigate not only like some of their mental health, but also their academics. So, you know, how are you doing in school? And it was interesting to see that a lot really struggled in high school because of the pandemic. And then, you know, now you're freshmen um, or even sophomores in college and there's like even math or English, like those basic subjects, you don't necessarily have that level that you would really um, usually be expected to have. But now everyone just expects you to just know how to write an essay, Mm -hmm. know how to do, you know, APA or MLA formatting for your papers. So, and then even on a social level, part of the challenge that we've had has been, um, you know, how do we get students to be involved, to engage, because they've been isolated for so long, or even the students who live on campus aren't necessarily, you know, going downstairs to maybe the programs that are happening in their building. So it's it's been kind of a challenge trying to figure out how to really help students engage again and um, just just talk to each other, just mm-hmm. be open with each other, because it's just been it's just looked different these past couple of years. No, it, it is. It's super, super interesting and super different. You know, I, I have I have youngsters. Um, I have, you know, twin 13 year olds and, and, and a 16 year old. Um, and I see the difference, you know, and, and I, you know, it's not a compare and contrast that type of thing. I just this is a different world in which they're growing up and, and those different aspects. But, you know, it's difficult to take, you know, an engagement where they're so used to it being a digital engagement. And I'm not pouring salt on anyone's hustle. I mean, we're technically using technology so we can have this interview. So like, I get it. It's important. We need to use it, but maybe not as much. Like it shouldn't, I don't feel that anything, one uh, singular thing should be your personality focus point. Like it should not be, be that aspect, but especially with the pandemic and all these kind of things, we have now kind of withdrawn. Um, so a social mixer isn't going to pop off the way the way it, it would at some points in time. Now, yes, yeah. now it'd also probably be a lot more responsible. And it's not like you gotta worry about the dude pouring the 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 dubras into the uh, punch bowl. Um, because you know, not only you know, not only should they not be drinking, but they definitely should not be drinking dubras. That's just that's a crime until your insides. Um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, teach them right. Um, uh, but as, as you know, you, you continue to go through, how are you helping to, to bridge that gap? How do you make it entertaining? You know, are you starting to like bring kind of video game culture in there? Like, are you doing like mental health Super Smash Brothers tournament, you know, or is it more just that, that kind of thing of like, hey, we're all going to come down and, and shoot a TikTok video together? Or, you know, so, like, how are you engaging and, and using the wonderful crutch that is technology that has made your job harder, but now you're also trying to make it easier with it? How do you navigate that? Yeah, that's been something that we've been trying to figure out how to use and use well. And I think Mm -hmm. um, at least where I'm at right now at Southern, um, I have some graduate interns. So they're, you know, a bit closer in age Mm -hmm. with um, some of the undergraduate students and also, you know, the age of the graduate students, because I'm a little bit older than them. Um, May not look it, you know, but... It, it, I think it also helps to have investment from people who are part of that generation or that group, because, you know, for someone like me, it can be easy to say, oh, let's just do this because, you know, this is what's worked before this worked when I was their age or something. So it's, it's been important, I think, to try to be very up to date or understand a little bit more about the trends or even just trying to hear from them. What are the conversations that they want to have? Um, Because I I know what conversations I think might be very important to have, mm-hmm. but maybe those aren't the conversations that they want to have, or maybe they want to have it in a different way. So we've really tried to get away from just talking at students um, mm-hmm. because they're in classes all day. I wouldn't want to listen to somebody just talking at me. Um, and so we really try to make sure we're doing uh ideas that involve activities or even when the weather's nicer, we're going to be doing activities outside mm-hmm. um, or having some type of like 
usually a little get make, you know, like a little raffle or some food, just, just even, you know, people want to eat and talk and kind of have a little bit more of a social thing. So it doesn't have to be as serious as, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk about your mental health. Like, you know, we want to just, let's just talk about um, like one of the, the topics that has come up, ironically enough, has been relationships and like trying to date and online dating and all these mm-hmm. things. And so let's make a program about it. And maybe before the program have, um, cause we have an Instagram page. So maybe mm-hmm. let's um, film some students with some hot takes. So then people will be really excited about the program. Like, wait, we're gonna get to debate and talk about why dating is trash in 2023. Mm-hmm. Okay. So trying to kind of meet them where they're at, I think um, a little bit more, whether it's using TikTok or Facebook, well, not really Facebook, Instagram. Um, and just seeing a little bit more it's it's a lot of it's honestly trial and error right now <laughs> that, that first of all that's awesome and I, I i now am fascinated with a debate on why like dating is trash in 2023 and i i, I would love to be in that that debate because i would just walk up and be like dating has always been trash have a good day <laughs> and like i would just walk on <laughs> because like Again, people, uh, we're horrible species, <laughs> um, you know, but it, it's just, it's just super interesting. And it also, I guess, has to be a little more enriching because you are dealing with the, the younger generation who it has been a lot more brought up in the positive side of a mental health journey, in the importance of a mental health journey. You know, they've had a lot more aware parents, a lot more, you know, that have had the opportunity to engage more. And again, I pour no salt in anyone's hustle. You did what you needed to do to survive. You are here now. Handle what you got to handle. Mm-hmm. Nothing is as long as it's as long as it's legal. I don't say any type of thing is an incorrect way of doing anything. It's just the way that y- you had to get it done. Um, so before everyone jumps on that that hate that everyone was on the keyboard, they're like, oh, oh, he's no. You're all good. I appreciate you all. And again, all hate mail, feel free to send to Prestige. Uh, he's got you covered. Uh, don't send it to me because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, as you're continuing to go, you know, do you see more of, of that aspect where this generation is a lot more susceptible to the mental health journey? And like you have older heads like myself and the generation before me um, that's like, ew, no, I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, I'm supposed to choke down the feelings and then, you know, marinate that with Jack Daniels, you know, is, yeah. you know, is it easier now is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's felt a bit easier to have certain conversations. I think, especially, um, you know, trying to have these conversations on a college campus, even um, like we've been working with faculty members to think about and talk about how do we incorporate wellness or well-being into the classroom. So um, because, you know, you're not really just in your own bubble, like even just the the environment that you're in on a, on a campus or in a class can really um, impact your mental health. You know, if you say there's, you can't miss any days, there are no, you know, no extensions, no, no excuses. It's also like, okay, well, I missed one day, something happened. I'm probably going to fail this class. And then you just spiral maybe sometimes mm-hmm. from there. So we're trying to also build that in the classroom. But I think it's definitely been a lot easier um, even if people don't always have like the terminology correct or, you know, they're still kind of learning that stuff. It's, I think, been easier to have some of those conversations in an open way or at least in a, um, I would say like a non or very little judgmental type of way. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like in talking to people maybe of like my parents' generation, um, that's been a lot more challenging to do. Like even when I decided to become a psychologist, it for for some people it was very much like what why are you what are you doing you want to work with who or they they assume oh you want to work you know at a mental institution or something and it's like no I that's not necessarily what I want to do and this is why I want to do it um so it, it was like a lot more I think explaining you know 15 10 15 years ago than there is I think uh, uh now I think now the only issue is trying to make sure that people are are using maybe terms a little bit better or like I was saying before about narcissism or just about toxic you know this person's mm-hmm. toxic this is toxic and for me at least it's just trying to maybe tra- change the lang- language instead of saying that person is toxic it's like maybe the behaviors that they're doing are toxic or have a negative effect rather mm-hmm. than just like labeling a whole person and saying that they're horrible um which maybe they're doing a lot of horrible things so mm-hmm. it's understandable yeah. but you also want to 
you know, you wouldn't want somebody to just label you as a horrible person based on a couple of things you've done. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I again, I, I 100% agree with everything that, that you're saying. And, and I love how, how you, you, you went back there because I, I wanted to talk about that, that whole narc- narcissism thing. Oh, everyone's so narcissistic. Um, and, and you discover this like on TikTok, you know, yeah. a, 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 a platform that is there to get more eyes upon every single person that is that is making content there. In the entertainment field, period, you have to have a little bit of narcissism in there. There's a yeah. part of you that has to walk around and go, hey, look at me. I'm important. You know, so yeah. I, and it's there. We're all important, but we only have a minute left of this broadcast. Allison, um, this time is going to be for you. Uh, just please talk about any future events that you're going to be a part of. Um, any... Um, inspiring advice for someone who wants to go at least to a similar path as yours career-wise and last but not least please give up that social media for anyone who wants to contact you this time is yours sure so actually an event that we have coming up which is open to the public it is on april 12th at uh seven o'clock in the adante student center um at Southern Connecticut State University. We're having a well-being in the Black community panel. So I'll be on the panel along with um, someone else with a public health background and an alum to talk a little bit more about just what wellness looks like in the Black community. Um, And also I would say for anyone who's interested in going into this field, you definitely have to be ready and willing to work on your own stuff um, before you can be in a position, I think, to really support someone in the ways that they need and not make it about yourself and your own wounds that are coming up and I would say in terms of my social media the best would probably be uh, my website which is www.liberatedpro.com Allison thank you so much for being a part of Behind the Brand we really do appreciate you thanks for having me absolutely it was a great time easy love you myself prestige WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven and this has been Behind the Brand Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know I don't know I don't know Spending time all alone Sending my songs through the phone Dreaming of a better home We more focused on trying to hone This craft Witchcraft I hope the brujas let this last I don't know Yeah.